Well, Father God, uh, as we have given to you in worship, we, uh, we gather that you might give back to us in ministry this morning and fill our hearts, our minds, uh, our bodies with what we need uh, to go forward into the world uh, with the tidings of great joy, uh, with the love of uh, your incarnate Son. Uh, we pray, Lord, for, um, for the Holy Spirit in our hearts uh, to do what must be done during this holiday week. Come rest upon us, Holy Spirit. We pray that you would speak today in Jesus' name. Amen. Everybody roll your shoulders. What we do at Blue Water for visiting, like, you know, we have to warm up because we we've, been, we've been listening to announcements, you know, for, for 10 or 12 minutes. So you have to, like, you stretch one way. You got to stretch the other way. Um, and just to get the, the brain juices flowing, because brain juices are really important, we, we often ask a warm-up uh, question. So here's a warm-up question this morning. What makes for a great story? What makes for a great story? Think about it. Just take, take 15 seconds and consider. What makes for a great story? A story worth hearing, a story worth telling. Think about it. What? <laughs> great, a great ending. All right, now share with the people next to you. Turn to the people, uh, gather into groups of three or four, spin around. If you're a Blue Water regular, you're used to this. If you're a Blue Water visitor, this will be really, really awkward, but it won't be the most awkward point of the service, so, uh, so take some comfort in that. What makes for a great story? Just share. All right, all right, all right, enough friendliness, enough talking, enough bonding. All right, what makes for a great story? Let me hear some interesting answers. What? Yes, what? Jody. A good storyteller makes for a good story. That's good, that's kind of meta. You kind of went outside the box. A good storyteller makes for a good story. I like that. Yeah, conflict makes for a good story, of course. Because if there's no conflict, if there's no challenge, then there's really no story. Once upon a time, these perfect people were born, uh, they fell in love, got married, and died. There's just nothing to that. There needs to be, there needs to be something to overcome, right. Uh, what else? Redhead. I'm sorry? Redhead. A redhead makes for a good... <laughs> just all sorts of psychological insight wrapped there, but a, a, a redhead, uh, redheads, let's hear it from you. Okay, there we go, all right, excellent. Yes, sir. Magic makes for a good story. Excellent. I like that. Something, something unusual, something otherworldly. When the good guy dies or something When the good guy dies for something good. Every, every piece of Chinese cinema you've ever seen, right there. Yeah, yeah. It's not so satisfying to the soul. When the good guy dies. An underdog story. Every good story is unlikely, right? Yeah, every good story has to be unlikely. Yeah, Nina. The unexpected. There has to be some twists. There has to be some surprises. There's got to be some moments where you say, wow, I didn't see that coming. Because if it's too obvious, you know, like if the good guy lives, then that, that wouldn't be satisfying at all. It's 
like, wow, I didn't see that coming. All right. One more. Who's got the best one? Miracles make for it. Yeah, miracles, magic. I will accept either. Uh, they both work. They both uh, satisfy. Uh, they both scratch the same itch. Something that touches your heart. It has to be what? Meaningful, beautiful, something that touches your heart, right? And that's kind of hard to, that's hard to quantify. That's hard to define exactly. But of course, that's what every good story wants to be, right? Uh, it wants to, wants to touch your heart. It wants to kind of move you at, at the soul level. What's, what's the big story this holiday season? Jesus? No, no, it's Star Wars, because Star Wars is opening. <laughs> Star Wars is the big story this holiday season. Who can, tell, who can tell the story of the Star Wars saga in 45 seconds? Who can do it? Josiah can do it. Come up here, Josiah. Come up here. All right, dude, I'm going to put you on the clock. So we want, we want the, the whole Star Wars epic in 45 seconds. Yeah, quick question. Can I spoil the new movie? No, you can't spoil the new movie. You want to get out of here alive? No. All right, ready? All right. Ready? Go. Old man finds little kid on desert planet. Little kid ends up blowing big thing. Big thing comes back. Kid blows it up again. Friends do good things or something like that, but then you find out that the bad guy was the good guy's dad, and then that whole mess was the prequels. Um, and then you have this new girl that was found on a desert planet, and story repeats itself. <laughs> story repeats. Beautiful. All right, all right. Good job. I don't, I don't know how you're doing in an English class, but that was far better than any book report. I felt my soul resonating at a deep level. And then the whole thing repeats again. And then they, then they rebuild the Death Star, but it's bigger. And then they, then they rebuild it again, but it's, it's bigger this time. And uh, George Lucas just needs to get some consultants. Now how about a twist? How about a twist? I don't know, maybe this one. A story's worth telling, though. Star Wars is a myth that has captured the imagination of, uh, of the generation. And it's worth asking yourself why, why these things uh, are, are great. And I think everything that we listed, you know, works in. Um, it has to be, um, it has to be some sort of magic, some sort of miracle, something extraordinary, something unusual in this story. It has to be surprising, of course. It does help if there's a redhead, obviously. Um, you know, uh, it's, cer it's certainly life and death. Sometimes the good guy dies. Sometimes the good guy doesn't die. But that kind of points to, well, I mean, there needs to be contingency, right? There needs to be some uncertainty. You don't know how it's going to turn out. Uh, and, of course, it needs to be m meaningful uh, at some uh, deep level. Switching gears entirely. Uh, read a study this week by the the Max Planck Institute in Germany about identical twins and DNA. Identical twins, if you don't know, have identical genes. They have identical DNA. And this study at the Max Planck Institute 
researched uh, through generations, and they determined that on average, identical twins with identical genes, identical DNA, they die on average 10 years apart. Which is kind of fascinating when you think about, well, are we genetically programmed or does life matter? Uh, and identical twins with identical genes die on average 10 years apart. 10 years apart, and it just kind of points to me, uh, points out to me the overwhelming consequence of the choices that we make, even if we start out identically. We get vast differences in, in outcomes. Or, tying it all together now with a nice bright bow, life is in the story. Life is in how things play out. Life is in the choices you make. Life is in the uncertainty. Life, life is in, is in you know, the drama and, and the reactions. You know, life matters. Choice matters. Things could go either way on any given day for us. There are surprises. There are conflicts. There are challenges. Uh, there are details that really matter. Or you could put it this way. Life is just really, really personal, right? And if and if life were any other way, if life wasn't a story, I just think life would be terribly boring. It wouldn't be worth telling, you know. Our life has a great storyteller. Uh, God has designed the universe. God has designed our lives in such a way that, that, that choices matter. There's a tremendous amount of drama. There's conflict. There's a little magic. There's a little miracle, you know. It, it's, it's a great story. I don't think existence had to be that way. But it is, and we all know it, which is why stories are so meaningful to us. I mean, the meaning is in the uncertainty, the drama, the way things that unfold. Uh, taking another uh, small leap. Let's talk about Christmas. Not Star Wars, but Christmas. I think the greatest thing about the Christmas story is that it's a story. You know, that it unfolded in a way, it didn't have to unfold that way, but, but the details, the, the magic, the, the conflict of the Christmas story, you know, the, the surprises, it's, it's such a tremendously personal, meaningful story. It came out, it came out of a, a tradition, but everything about the birth of Christ, and indeed the life of Christ, was tremendously personal and surprising. Uh, there's, there's nothing at all in the Jesus story that is rote, that is repetitive, that is ritualistic. Um, and this is good uh, because I think for the health of the human soul, things have to be meaningful. Uh, they, have to be, they have to be satisfying. It helps if, if things are true as well and not just uh, make-believe I think um, I study these things a lot. I've had occasion to think about these things a lot. And I think that most of what passes for religion in the world um, is, is nothing more than, than system. And this is, this is what I really, really love about Christianity. It's not, it's not a system. It's not, it's not just a mechanism. Uh, sometimes it's preached that way. But it certainly is not that way. And the story of Jesus tells you. And this is in contrast to say, you know, Buddhism and the wheel of Buddhism, which is just, you know, things go round and around endlessly. You're born and you're reborn. And then if you do a really, 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 really good job, 
um, you get to graduate upwards until you get to annihilate yourself and disappear. You know, and it's just mechanistic. We don't know how people get reborn. Uh, they, just, they just do. You don't question things. It, just, it is what it is. And that's sort of the underpinning of all uh, Buddhist philosophy and the practice of the religion. It, it, there's, no, there's no story in it. It's mechanism. Right? It's, it's philosophy, but there's, but there's no story uh, involved. There's no real drama to it. Even, even Islam, which is a spin-off of the Judeo-Christian tradition, says that ultimately life boils down to a scale. There's like literally a scale. Do your good deeds outweigh your bad deeds? And that determines your entire eternity. It's just an equation at the end. There's just a little math uh, that God does. And, and, and that math determines you your entire fate. And that, that feels a little mechanistic to me. That feels a little systematic. There's not much story to that. The Judeo-Christian tradition is, is unique in that it just, it just drips with personality. Uh, first, it is told to us as a story, and the Christmas story is, is the pinnacle of that, I think. And second, everything in life is contingent. You know, everything is choice. Everything is drama. And that's a little terrifying and a lot satisfying because that's how we are designed to be. And, you know, God, the storyteller, knew that. That's why he designed things uh, the way that he did. And, I, and I, think it's, I think it's just beautiful. I think it's meaningful. I think it touches the heart. And you see this uh, in, the, in the Christmas story. There's so much in the Christmas story that sounds like it comes right out of a, of a storybook which is, I think, kind of the point that God was going for because it wasn't enough just to kind of create a system. He wanted to create something that was meaningful, something that satisfied the soul. It's as if he were saying, you know, this, this universe is not some grinding process. Life is not some grinding process. This is designed uh, to be as personal and so soul-satisfyingly meaningful as it can get. And so you get baby Jesus. Uh, you know, born in a stable, lying in a, in a food dish, witnessed by shepherds, and, you know, the unwed mom, and like everything that's just so human, so meaningful, uh, so deep. And, and when the world beholds the Christmas story, well, you know, lots of people reject it, lots of people criticize it, they try to say that it's just, a, it's just made up uh, by some conspirators who wanted to create a religion to sell to the world, and you know, stuff like that doesn't make sense for many reasons, but I'll talk about that in some other sermon. Uh, because whether you accept the reality of the story or not, it's clear that everybody in the world knows that the Christmas story is perfect. Right? Even if they reject it, they know that there's no other story quite like it. There's just a lot of meaning in it, such that huge chunk of the world, even if they have nothing to do uh, with the Judeo-Christian tradition, they celebrate Christmas because this is a story unlike any other. This is epic. You know, this captures the heart of generation after generation after generation, and I think that should tell us something. God did it the right way. It tells us something about the God uh, that we are trusting uh, in life. 
I think you can make the argument that all of Christianity grew up around a story. It wasn't, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a system. It wasn't a, a religion. It was, it was just people who, who believed uh, in a story, and this makes it totally unique. I, uh, um, I printed in the program this morning an excerpt from uh, the beginning of the story, uh, Luke chapter 1. It's gonna, you can read along in the program. It's going to be up here on the big board. Uh, but it being Christmas and Christmas being so popular, it's possible that you have heard this before. Um, uh, written by, by Luke, who was actually a, a Greek, a later convert uh, to Christianity. And this is how his book starts. Many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the world. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Theophilus means lover of God, most excellent lover of God, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. In other words, Luke, Luke begins his gospel. His, it's the most comprehensive gospel in the Bible. He begins it by saying, look, a lot of people have written accounts a lot of people have written their version of the story. Most of those versions are lost to us. But, but Luke has undertaken to write the most comprehensive one. So he investigated all of the eyewitnesses. He checked all of the details. And he's presenting it to, to lovers uh, of God so that you might know the certainty of the things. Uh, you might know the truth of this story. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly, but they were childless because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Now, what does that sound like to you? It sounds like the beginning of a story, doesn't it? And this is not about the birth of Jesus. This is about the birth of John, Jesus' cousin, John the Baptist. And John was the guy who preceded Jesus. Luke went as far back with the story as he was able to go. Uh, and I, I write that because it sounds a lot like once upon a time, doesn't it? Uh, that... Luke set it out as, as a story, as an account, or the Christian word would be a testimony. It comes across as an epic testimony, and that's what the Gospels in the Scripture sounds like. It's like, all right, let me, tell, let me tell my version of the story. Okay, Mark, you tell your version of the story. Matthew, you tell your version of the story. John's a little bit different. It's a collection of, of, uh, of Jesus' teachings uh, more than anything else. But it's just kind of an epic story. Well, let, me, let me tell you what happened. Let me tell you what happened. And, and there's something about that that's, that's really core, that's really central to the experience of, of uh, what we call the faith. Uh, life with God, life following Jesus. Uh, Luke clearly presents it as a true story by the sound of it. I'm, I'm, I investigated things. I may, I'm making this as accurate as possible because the way it happened counts. You know, you, you have to know how it unfolded because life is in the story. Life is in the story, he says. Um, and, and this is why I think Christians have always emphasized personal experience, why we've always emphasized the sharing of our own testimonies 
uh, one with another. We understand that church isn't just a bunch of people who believe the same thing and sort of buy into the same system. No, a church is a group of people that are caught up in a great story together, and as a result, they all get great stories themselves, which is why when we celebrate Advent, when we celebrate the Christmas season, we do it by having uh, people from our midst stand up and just tell stories from their years. Like, dude, you'll, you'll never believe what my year was like. Well, you know, I was talking to my small group, and I felt God spoke to me that, you know, I ought to reconcile with my daughter, whom I haven't spoken to in 43 years, and so I just went for it. I just stepped out with a lot of prayer of my friends, and lo and behold, it worked out, and now my daughter is coming to see me. She's going to come to church. I get to share that all with you. That's not a bad story, right? That's not a bad story, and if you get involved with the story of Jesus, it produces stories in your life like no other thing in life. Life is in the story. Life is in the story. You know, some stories are longer than others. That's happening at 93 years of age. Uh, for my grandma, um, life is always in the story, no matter where you're at, no matter where, where you're, you're sitting. But the hallmark of Jesus' stories has always been from his birth to the stories that we tell, those of us who follow Jesus, the hallmark of Jesus' stories have always been in, 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 their, in the way they touch your heart. As was said earlier, in, in the beauty, in the meaning of it. There are meaningful stories to tell. We have meaningful stories to tell one another. I think that's the wealth of life. Stories that I get to tell because I follow Jesus, the difference that that makes, that, that makes me who I am. That is my measure for a good life. And that's what I celebrate uh, every, every quiz, Christmas. You could follow Jesus because it's true. Or you could follow Jesus because it's just beautiful. And either way, I think you'd be okay. <laughs> that's the way the Lord has designed the universe. He gets you to true places, and he gets you to beautiful places. Okay, what does all this tell you about God? Uh, what should we celebrate about God this Christmas season? Uh, well, you know, it tells you that God is not a system, for one thing, that God is a great storyteller, um, for another. Uh, he's, into, he's into the personal aspect of it. A storytelling God is not a system. A storytelling God is not a grinding wheel. A storytelling God, a God that tells stories like the Jesus story, is not a God at the end of time just kind of weighs your good deeds against your bad deeds, deeds and calls it a day. Clearly, clearly, the Jesus story uh, teaches us that. The Christmas story teaches us that. Uh, we have a God who created you with a soul. He didn't just give us existence. He gave us a soul, right? He gave us a thirst for, for beauty, right? Which is why the whole world resonates with the story of Jesus' birth. Like, well, that is, just, that is just freaking beautiful. That is just an epic story. And God says, well, yeah, yeah that's, that's your soul. I did that. That's the spark of me that's in you. You know, it's not, it's not, just, it's not satisfying just to exist. You've got to be creative. You gotta create stories, man. Stories. God is a storytelling and a personal God, not just some grinding system. 
Um, he's got more personality, more color, more affection than a religious system uh, would give him credit for. That's what it tells us about God. And what does that mean for you? What does that mean for us individually? Well, you know, God is personal, so he appreciates your life story. He appreciates the details of what's going on in your life. He appreciates mostly your life story with him. He's clearly not judging you based on some standardized form. If God is personal, then life is not a standardized test. Life is not a one-size-fits-all examination. Life isn't about passing. Life is about creating. Life is about creating meaning, beauty. I think that's what it means when somebody says that God is personal. Uh, number two, I think it means that uh, your life is contingent. Your life is filled with choice. Everything that you do is consequential. This could go either way. This could go either way for you. And that has to be true for your story to be worthwhile. This could go either way for you. Or the way uh, I've taken to explain it to myself, you have a destiny, but not a fate. You have a destiny, but not a fate. Does that make sense to you? You know, you know what that means? You are destined for something. You have a purpose, but not everything about your life is predetermined. God designed you for a purpose. Now, whether you fulfill that purpose or not, eh, it's kind of up to you. You, you do have a destiny. There's, there's something you're destined to do, but you're not fated to succeed and you're not fated to fail. If you were predetermined, if everything was just a computer program playing itself out like the Matrix movies, it wouldn't be very satisfying. There'd be, there'd be nothing personal in it, would there? So what you do, how you live, the choices that you make, what you celebrate, what you mourn, what, what you create, what you ignore, that determines, that determines your story and where you go with things. I constantly uh, encourage myself by saying I, I've, I've, never, I've never heard anything as beautiful as the gospel story. I, I, don't, I don't know anything as beautiful as the story that God has told with humanity, that God sort of created us uh, in the first place, uh, that God created us for purpose. God created us to be creative. So he gave us choice, he gave us contingency, he gave us a destiny, but he didn't fate us to fulfill it. And so we screwed up and we continue to screw up along the way. But he has this plan to restore us anyway, because every good story, there is no formula to a story. Every good story is filled with exceptions. And in the life of faith with Jesus, exceptions are called mercy and grace. You know, we get lots of forgiveness. Uh, we get lots of generosity. There are exceptions in every story, things that shouldn't work out but do. God grew up a people of faith through generations across, across millennia, you know. And then just to make everything clear, he incarnated himself. He kind of appeared as one of us, and that's where we get the Christmas story. But the way he did it was just magnificent. He didn't just, you know, appear in glory on a mountaintop and come live among us. No, he became like the lowest of the low. He became uh, a poor baby in a rejected, oppressed country, born to an Edwin mom in a, in a food dish in a, in a cave where the animals were kept. And, you know, he, 
He had a very uh, unstable childhood, running from place to place. He grew up as a day laborer, a tecton, a carpenter. Carpenter is too nice a word for, uh, for what the original Greek said. He was just a day laborer, just a wage earner, living from week to week. Um, but he changed the world somehow for all of that because a good story doesn't have to be a big story. <laughs> and that's how God revealed himself to the world. A good story doesn't have to be a big story. It tells you everything you need to know about God, that though he's almighty, he's really, really humble. And then he says, yeah, well, join me in this. Trust me, and we can do this together for eternity. You know, it's consequential. Your choice matters a lot. But why wouldn't you make a choice for Jesus, given the beauty of the story that he created? Um, I think what Christmas teaches me is that we should trust meaning. We should trust things that are beautiful. And what Christmas does every year is it sort of provokes our heart to believe that the way God is telling this story is awesome. And I hope that it provokes your heart to believe that the way God is telling your life story is, is awesome. You could have uh, all sorts of different stories. You could have an older brother's story. You could have a prodigal son's story, as Ben was saying earlier. Uh, you could have an epic tale, or you could have a small tale, a small tale, irrelevant, forgotten, that somehow grows to change the world, as the Jesus story did. You could have a championship story, or you could have a come-from-behind story. You could have a story that doesn't even get good until you're in your 80s. All sorts of different stories, right? They're personal. And... I think that's what baby Jesus begs us to believe. It's like, uh, this looks not so grand, but man, is it beautiful. How many of you want to have a beautiful moment with God this Christmas season? Just to celebrate the meaning of what's going on. What do you have to do to make uh, your life beautiful this week? I think that's, that's the thing uh, worth celebrating. Uh, let's pray about that and see what the Lord does in our midst, see how he incarnates in our, our barn this Christmas Eve day. Holy Spirit, um, thank you so much for gathering us up into your story. Uh, we're asking this morning, Lord, that you would reveal the next step in the plot for us. Uh, we pray, Lord, that uh, you would uh, appear for us and speak. I pray, Lord, that each individual would hear some tiding of joy this morning. Speak, Lord. Be here, Jesus.
I started out this sermon by asking, what makes for a great story? I'll just sort of end this sermon by saying, uh, what's going to make your story great today? What's going to make your story great this week? What's going to make your story great in 2018? Please meditate on it. Please think about it because you're, you're a movie worth watching. There'll be no spoilers. You're not going to know what's coming. But everybody knows what makes for a meaningful story. Everybody knows. And that's why we love Jesus in the first place. Could you stand with me, please? Uh, give each other a Christmas high five. Say good adventure to you. Great stories this year. Father God, I pray that you perfect your agenda for each one of us and that we'd all be changed at least a little bit before we leave today. I thank you for this family. I thank you for uh, co-travelers and faith. And I thank you for the story that you're weaving through us as a body. Uh, we pray, Lord, that many lives would be changed. We pray that many would be gathered into our Christmas celebrations. We pray that the story would be clear and that Jesus would be glorified. In his name we pray, Merry Christmas and Amen.